Irwin. One final episode of Into the Wild. This has been a truly fascinating five weeks of study, and I have thoroughly enjoyed dissecting these fascinating, complex, and strange creatures with all of you. I've heard from many of you about the questions that this journey has brought up, and I love to hear from my fellow explorers. I've enlisted the help of two experts in the field who have volunteered to offer their years of experience to navigate through your toughest questions. Until the next adventure, this has been Steve Merwin. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. As promised, we have a fun, fun, fun day here for you today. And I, gentlemen, am doing a very brave act by inviting my wife up here on stage and giving her a chance to answer your questions. Okay, for those who are just kind of joining here, here today and trying to, wonder, trying to figure out what's going on, we've been doing this series called Into the Wild for the past four weeks where we've been looking at relationships. And I've been saying it's the relationship series for people who hate relationship series as we are talking about not just what we need to do, but what we need to understand about one another to make these relationships work. So I've been presenting a lot of information about men and women in relationships, but so many people say we want to hear from Marianne. Well, today you get a chance to hear from Marianne. But before, yes, clapping already. <laughs> Lord have mercy on us. Lord have mercy on us. But see, look, I insisted there's only one microphone, so I could grab it back from her at any time, okay? They wanted to give her her own and said, no, no, no. They wanted to give her a head, no, 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 just mic control. Before I talk about, before we get into today's Q&A, I just want to give you guys a heads up as to what's coming down the pipe uh, starting next week. We're starting a new series next week, which I am super duper excited about. And it's a series called Family Matters. And what we're going to be talking about is the core values here at STSA. Because this church started, for those of you who don't know, back in 2012, and it's based on, on 10 core values, which I feel are like the foundation of who we are as a church. And when we first started the church, we spent a lot of time talking about those core values and really ingraining them. And a lot of people who are here today are here because of those core values. Because when they heard what this church believes in, who this church is, they said, I'm sold out for this church. But as we've kind of gone through, we haven't been emphasizing them as much assuming people know it, but now we are in our sixth year, which makes me feel old, but I can't believe we started six years ago. We're in our sixth year, so we're gonna go back over those core values. But see, here's the important part. We're gonna talk about our 10 core values in five weeks. 10 core values in five weeks, and I said, you know what, that's a lot to try to fit in there, because you know me, I'm not the, the most, brevity is not my gift. Okay, let's just say it that way. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm not gonna talk about 10 core values in five Sundays. I'm going to talk about five. The other five, you need to join a life group to really dig into those. So what we're going to do is every week we're going to talk about one core value, and then in the corresponding life group that meets throughout the week, that's where you're going to dig into the other one. So if you only come on Sundays, you're going to be missing half of the story. So please make sure that if you didn't sign up for a life group yet, today is your day to do so. You stop by the connection table and they'll tell you all about the life groups, or even simpler, you just go to the STSA app, and you choose the life group that you want. They meet all over the DC metropolitan area all days of the week, all right? But this is the best way to get the most out of this, out of this series. And like I said, it's called Family Matters because family does matter. Because what I'm gonna tell you next week is that your earthly family is important, but our spiritual family is just as important, if not more, because this one will last. You ready to get into this, Marianne? Here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna do today. And notice I asked her a question, but still didn't give her the microphone, but I'm going to in a second, okay? 
What we're going to do today is a mix of two things. We're going to answer all the questions. But what also, we originally planned this session as a way of sharing some random thoughts, okay? That's why we titled this, No One Told Me That. That's the name of today's session. We want to share three thoughts that we feel have really benefited us in our marriage, which has now been 16 years and counting, okay? Been 16 years and counting. So just random thoughts that, you know what, no one told us, but somehow we stumbled upon these things. So we're going to intersperse some lessons that we've learned with some questions, and we'll kind of have some fun with this, and it'll be informal, and uh, we'll have a good time with it. Okay, sound fair? Sound good? Okay. Our first question. Our first question that someone asked. We're going to start off with an easy one. Someone who I'm assuming is single, okay, I'm assuming is single, I don't know who asked this question, said, why should people get married? And then he goes on. I mean, we know it's a him because he makes it clear, okay? Especially if you like being single, not having kids, living alone, and then I'll just say, et cetera, okay, because he gives more on the et cetera there. <laughs> why, should you be, why should people get married if you alone, enjoy living alone and still able to serve God outside of the home setting? So we'll start off with an easy one, Mary. Why don't you tell us why you think people should get married? Um, I would say because God wired us for relationship and for intimacy and for connection and marriage is a great way of doing that and I remember when I first got married I didn't know what to expect and I read this verse in the Bible that said uh, no eye has seen or no ear heard what God has prepared for those who love him and even though it's talking about heaven I kind of felt like it applied to my marriage at that time uh, <laughs> I'll tell you a joke as to why people should get married, or maybe maybe why people should. So this is, I only have like one joke. This is like my joke, and I've told this here before, and you're gonna say it's corny, but it's my joke. You have to have a joke prepared, and the reason why, true story, one time I was on the Washington DC Mall on 4th of July, and some guy came with a camera, and he said, I'm looking for people to tell jokes. And ever since that day, I don't know, he could have been from NBC, he could have been from, I don't know where he was from. But ever since then, I have my joke prepared, in case, any, in case anyone asks, here's my joke. Once upon a time, God created, when God created Adam, and the world was perfect. And the world was perfect, 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 perfect. And then God said to Adam, Adam, creation is not complete yet. Adam said, oh, what's left? And God said, I'm going to create you woman. So Adam said, what's a woman? God said, ah, I'll tell you about a woman. Woman is the best of the best that could ever be created. She's going to care for you. She's going to love you. She's going to encourage you. She's going to cook for you. She's going to clean up after you. She's going to be your support. She's going to be your foundation. She's going to be your, she's going to be your rock. Adam said, great. What will it cost me? God said, an arm and a leg. Adam said, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> the moral of the story, the moral of the story, Marianne gave a great answer, and I agree 100% with her answer, but I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you that if this is you that's asking this question, why should people get married, maybe you shouldn't get married. Okay, and you don't have to get married. And no one says that marriage is the only path to salvation. In fact, there's Bible verses that'll tell you quite the opposite. St. Paul, when he was speaking about marriage and singleness and life of virginity versus life of marriage, he said, I wish that all men were even as I myself. And he's speaking about a life of celibacy, a life of virginity. And he's saying, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this man and one in that. So what I'll say is this, is I'm talking a lot about marriage because I believe that most people will get married. 
But I don't want to make anyone think that if you're not married, your life is not fulfilled and that you can't be complete living a single life, serving God, committed to God. Absolutely. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. For me personally, like me personally, marriage, I was the guy who probably was asking this question at age 23, 24. I was the guy who was thinking, why did anyone get married? Like I'm just living life and I'm enjoying and I'm serving God and I have a great group of friends and I want to go and do mission work and I, we would go, like I was that guy. But then things changed. So here's what I would say to you if you're that guy or that girl. You don't need to make a lifetime decision about marriage today. If God is not putting marriage on your heart, don't get married. Please, don't get married. <laughs> if God is not putting marriage on your heart and you're not desiring it, please don't get married. But also, don't make a lifetime decision at age, like I'm glad at 23, I realized that I'm only 23 and I'm not that smart, so I didn't make a lifetime decision. I said, marriage is not for me right now. And I enjoyed a single life. Then all of a sudden I said, I think I want to get married. So then I found Marianne, okay? You know, I found her amidst the lines, okay, the crowds. You can, I, I, I. <laughs> so my point is, you can live a, holy, a completely fulfilling life without marriage. Don't feel like you have to get married um, if God's not putting on your heart. I always say the two things. Marriage to me is like medical school. It's great if you're into it, but if you're not into it, man, it's gonna take up the rest of your life. So no one should go into medical school and be like, I think I might wanna be a doctor. 15 years later, you hate being a doctor and you were lots of money in debt, you lost your life. So if you don't wanna be a doctor, don't be a doctor, okay? And same thing with marriage. If you're not into marriage, please don't get married for the sake of your future children and everybody else, okay? Question number two. Question number two says, what advice would you give to young people about dating in a healthy, godly way, especially for those who have little to no dating experience? All right, and this actually ties in with a lesson that um, I'll answer this one, then you can feel free to chime in on this if you want after. This is actually the first lesson that we wanted to share that both of us felt is the most important lesson. Single people, this is, listen up, this is for you especially, because you can do something about this. Okay, married people, you just have to make the best of it at this point in time. Lesson number one. No one told me that marrying your best friend is cool. No one tells you that anymore, huh? They tell you the exact opposite, don't they? I think your best bet going into, mar into marriage is to find someone who you can safely say, this is my best friend. My opinion, the biggest problem in so many marriages today is the over-romanticization, if that's a word, over-romanticized view of marriage. The over-romanticized view of marriage is the, is the undoing of couples everywhere. True story. I didn't experience it, but I heard a preacher one time say this, and he, the preacher told the story. He saw a woman one time, and the woman said, I wanted to talk to you about her marriage. Like, and she's crying, so he's like, oh, this person, like, this must be a horrible situation. This woman is crying, 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 crying. Preacher says to her, what's wrong? And she says, my husband doesn't love me, doesn't care about me, and I married the wrong guy. Ah! The spaghetti is all coming out. So he's like, what is wrong? She says, I came home from work, and my husband did all the dishes. And the preacher's like, so? And she's like, I can't believe he did all the dishes. He's like, so? Like, I mean, most wives, if you came home and found the dishes done, you'd think you'd died and gone to heaven. And she said, I asked him why he did the dishes. 
And she said, and he said, because I hate dirty dishes. And she said, I wanted him to say he did the dirty dishes because he loved me. Yeah, exactly. And then the whole, I wanted him to want to make, I didn't know what, lady, like this ain't Hollywood. This isn't every, everything is the movie, The Bodyguard, where with the Kevin Costner, like this is not Robin Hood. This is real life. And, 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 and you should not have this over-romanticized view, this Hollywood view of marriage, where he sweeps you off your feet and he does everything because he just knows you want him. That, that is the undoing of so many marriages. So what I feel, one of our best things, is that we, first and foremost, are best friends. And we love to hang out with each other. And we can have a good time. And yes, the romantic stuff is there, okay? And I have to, you know, drag it out of her, you know? <laughs> but we're first and foremost best friends. And I'll give you some scriptural reference to this, in case you never thought about this. In the Song of Songs, Solomon says what about his beautiful bride? He calls her my blank and my spouse. My sister and my spouse. Did I bring the verse? I think I brought the verse. Yeah, I brought the verse. Yeah, very good. Right there. Songs 4. You have ravished my heart, romance, my sister and my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes, romance, one link of your necklace. How fair you are, is your love, my sister and my spouse. How much better than wine is your love and the scent of your perfumes and all spices. Single people, watch me on this one. I'll tell you what I hear a lot. I say, hey, to the guy, hey, what's, what's the problem? Like, there's lots of girls. Like, come on, man. Like, what's, what's the problem? Like, what's the hold up? Ask someone out. Say no, because they're all like my sister. That's what's supposed to be. Stop using that as an excuse. And then we say, but there's just not as many girls in my church. Look, when we got married, the Stone Age, 2001, the number of people, okay, in the church where we grew up, that was our age, was a handful at best. Okay, and right now, look how many churches there are. Look about how many different cultures are represented in this room. Look about how many different people of different uh, Orthodox traditions or Orthodox faith that we connect with. And there's so many options. And we still say they're all like my sister, all like my brother. That's a cop-out, single people. That's a cop-out. And I believe that's a cop-out because you don't want to put yourself out there to get rejected. And I understand why. But what I'm saying is, trust me, go on for Hollywood. Go for girls, 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 girls. Is it okay? Sorry. Hardest working AV team we got around here. We appreciate them. Girls, guy asks you out. Say, but he's like my brother. That's good. That's what you want. You want a guy who cares about you as a brother because I promise you the romance stuff is here today and gone tomorrow. And that's not. The romance stuff is the icing on the cake, but it is not the cake. And if you try to build a cake with just icing, it's going to taste sweet at first, but you're going to get sick to your stomach. And that's what's going to happen if it's not your best friend. Okay? You want to add anything on that one? Uh, not really. All right. <laughs> okay. Question number two. This one's all Marianne. Okay, then I shut myself up here. Question number two. Uh, where is it right here? Oh, this one's directed. This one said specifically to Marianne, okay? As a woman and a wife, how can we willingly and cheerfully, and she put cheerfully in all caps, how can we willingly and cheerfully submit to our husbands even if we cannot get ourselves to agree with certain decisions that they are making? As logical, rational women, it is so hard 
to willingly and cheerfully agree to something that your entire being is fighting against? Maybe I'll try. Sure. Um, so we, as women, know we, A, are not doormats. Two, we have opinions. God gave us opinions. We have brains. So, so that's like a given, and we know that. Um, and we also know, like Abuna said, that our husbands are supposed to uh, make love a verb. So if they make love a verb, they're going to want to do what pleases us. So we know all of that. But then um, we may find ourselves where we run into situations where we have expressed our opinion, and it happens to be different than their opinion. And biblically, we do need to submit, just like this question asked. And it's a great question. How do we do that cheerfully? So um, the only thing that's kind of worked for me is to think of it as God is in control and he's sovereign and he's sovereign over like my over, over Abuna or our husbands. He's sovereign over the way they think. So if he's sovereign over kings and rulers, he's also obviously sovereign over our husbands, like thoughts and decisions that they make. So, um, so when I find myself in that situation, what I tend to do is I'll just pray and say, God, this is really what I want. I, I personally think it's best, but at the end of the day, if it's not, like if Abuna's not in agreement with this, I'm gonna trust you. And um, there's a verse that I kind of hold on to, which says, whoever trusts in the Lord will not be put to shame. And I have totally experienced that in my marriage so many times, God has changed his mind, so. <laughs> Not so many times. Okay, there are some times where God has changed his mind. Uh, there's actually a follow-up to that. If Can I, if you want to go with the, the follow-up? The follow-up is, as women, how can we reconcile our hunger for more, again, more, all caps, more success, more power, more education, with our desire to be home with our children? serving our homes and our husbands and lifting them up so they succeed and become more powerful all the while all the while we are secretly desiring the same so did that, i may have not read that best basically what the person is saying how can i reconcile my desire desire for more and to be successful with my my you know kind of the calling to be at home and care for my husband and lift them up like how, how does that kind of work together um so i believe again god gave us those ambitions and those are good, and he wants us to use them for his glory, but I, I, I know that conflict when we have the kids. Um, so I would not look at it as when we are home with the kids that, you know, that means this is like the rest of our life kind of thing, that I would look at it as, okay, I have these goals, I have these dreams, and, you know, this is kind of a waiting season, and eventually uh, I'm going to, God's going to grant me a, amazing ways where I'm going to fulfill these goals and these visions and these dreams he's given me. So that's one side of it. And the other side of it is their success is our success. I don't know, um, this is kind of weird, but like if Abuna gives a good sermon or if he's very, very successful, I kind of, not that I take credit, but I, I do enjoy that success. I'll just follow up on something that she said. Um, which is the beginning part where she said about how um, submission in marriage, okay, is nothing to say that a wife shouldn't have an opinion. Okay, that's, I hope this is like s super clear that 
everything that I talked about for the men and the women are applying to both the men and the women. I told you all, the verses submit to one another in fear of God is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. It has nothing to do with marriage. It's actually the setup for wives submit to your husbands. So husbands, we are to submit to our wives as well. And the idea of mutual submission is, a, is, is Christianity. Okay, Christ submitted to his disciples when he washed their feet. So the idea of submission, which is submission, like I, we talked about, is kind of you, no you, no you, right? No you, that, that's Christianity. But in the particular context of marriage, it's where it's, it's important that women kind of focus on that and emphasize that. Just as the command to love for husbands doesn't mean wives don't love your husbands. Okay, that's not what that's saying. So both of them apply to both. And wives, y'all have great opinions, okay? And, and, and y'all should not be, uh, uh, like, put a bucket over those opinions. Probably a more eloquent way to say it than that. But you should not feel like you, you can't say your opinion. You just have to accept blindly. Like, we're not saying it that way. What it's saying is every bus in the end can only have one driver in the end. And the problem is not that, 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 that the woman is incapable of driving. But here's what I want to say, gentlemen. I hope you realize that I'm sticking my neck out for you when I tell your wife to submit. So you need to make me look good. Y'all need to make me look good on this one. And you can't come up with stupid idea after stupid idea and then tell her that she needs to submit to your stupid ideas. And you need to, as Marianne said, love is a verb. And you need to make that wife of yours desire to submit to you because of your self-sacrificing, your godliness, and your integrity. You control, you control her desire to submit to you. Okay? Did we do a good job answering that one right there? All right. Next question, I'll do this one, and then you do that one. Okay? Next question is says being humble in arguments. Okay, that's kind of like the title. Being humble in arguments. When you are triggered and get quite angry, it can be very challenging. How can we grow in humility that even when our late, we can bring ourselves to submit to the other and esteem them better and focus on our faults rather than theirs? So I wanted to answer this question on the follow-up of that one because what we just said about submission, I don't know if the person who's asking this is married or single. If they're married, I go back to what Marianne just said. If it's a single lady who's asking this question, then my answer is completely different to you. My answer to you is this. We get this thing backwards. We think during dating, submit. During marriage, fight. And I'm telling you, if you're dating and you're asking this question, you need to consider run for your life. And I say that in all honesty. Because the truth of the matter is, look who joined us here for today. Mr. and Mr. Potato had joined us back here today, okay? And the reason they joined us because they enjoyed last week so much, they want to listen to the answers, the question and answer. Remember Mr. and Mr. Potato Head with the beads on the inside that we talked about last week for those who weren't here? All right, we talked about how all of us have stuff on the inside and marriage doesn't create the stuff. It just brings the stuff out of us. Well, I'm telling you that when you get married, there's going to be bumps that's going to bring stuff out of you. And if you're dating and you're having stuff fly out from you, you have to seriously consider is this a good relationship to be in? Our problem is we get it mixed up. When we're dating, we're like, no, I can submit and I can be humble. And then when we get married, we want to fight and he's at this and he's at that. No, 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 backwards. When dating, that's when you run. That's when you fight. That's when you say, you know what? I can't, I can't submit to this guy. That, that's, when, that's when you do it. Because once you get to marriage, like that's it. And I'm telling you, married people, 
agree with me on this one. Whatever it is in dating only gets worse <laughs> in marriage. And I say that not in a only gets worse. It only gets better. Like the good gets better and the bad gets worse. That's the way marriage magnifies it. So what I'm saying is if in dating you're struggling to submit, that may say something about the beads that are inside him or inside you. So I would take that very seriously. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't neglect that. If married, back to what Marianne said. If single, no one says you have to go through with this thing. When you're crossing the street, you want to spend a lot of time. Do I go or do I not go? Because once you go, you go. And you can't get midway through the street and say, well, that was a bad decision. Well, it's too late now. Like now you go, even if it's a bad decision, you go. But what I'm saying is spend a little bit more time on this side. And it's not necessarily him. It could be you as well. Like, I don't know if it's the orange beads or the blue beads, but I would spend more time on this side. Okay. Um, yeah. Honest. Marianne, give us lesson number two. Okay. Lesson number is super uh, dear to my heart. Uh, honesty and weakness are the keys to closeness in marriage. So, um, Honestly, this should go on my tombstone, I feel like. But basically, if we think about it, we live in a completely broken world, um, and we all experience that brokenness. There's physical sickness. People have like character defects. People have childhood issues. People struggle with anxiety. People are struggling with anger, with depression. Everybody is struggling, every single one of us. Every single one of us is broken, and obviously, um, we all want that healing and God wants to give us that healing. And I believe uh, one way that God wants to give us that healing is, is through um, in our marriage. Uh, and so what we've done in our marriage is two things. So the first thing I would say um, for this is to acknowledge your weakness to your spouse. And that is sometimes very hard to do, not easy to do. But acknowledging it, getting it out there. You're only as sick as your secrets. Abuna mentioned that conference we were at, and um, someone was someone said something really profound. She said she was talking to Christian leaders, but she said, if there's a discrepancy between your inner life and your outer life, it's not going to be long before it collapses. And I kind of apply that that to my marriage, so or my family. If there's a discrepancy between who I am on the inside and what I'm portraying to my husband, it's not gonna be long before that collapses. So no discrepancy, being totally vulnerable and sharing what's inside of us. So that's kind of the first side of it. But then the second side of that is um, to the spouse is complete and total love and acceptance because we all know that love heals. So when we do have these struggles and we do have this brokenness, which we've, we know we all have, um, the way that we're going to find healing is acknowledging it to our spouse, but then also through their acceptance of us. Um, there's a verse, Romans 15, 7. It says, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. So I never noticed that second part, so that God will be given glory. So when I go to Abuna and I say, I am struggling so much with this like sin or with this weakness, and he says, it's okay, I love you anyways, that that heals me, and then God is given glory, and then I'm able to go and help someone else. Uh, without that interaction, I'll be still stuck in my sin. So, um, so that's um, something that's really, 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 really helped us out a lot in our marriage. Um, 
some we had a really cool story so i'll just share it really really quick we were doing a book club with another couple uh, we're doing a marriage book club so we had this one there was this one day where there is something that i do struggle with a lot and i this one particular day had just a horrible horrible day and i remember driving home from work and i was just kind of praying in the car and i was like god send someone to help me please send someone to help me i'm struggling so much and i don't even know who i can talk to and Sorry, I know, sorry. So the, the, the reason he doesn't cross my mind is because he's or, neat, his boxes are neat. And it seems to me sometimes that maybe my struggle is not gonna fit so neatly in his perfect boxes. So that is why like, I wouldn't want to like mess up the boxes. So that, that's kind of what I was thinking. But anyhow, <laughs> so I, I prayed that prayer. Um, then we went to, that night to our book club, and that night the the chapter we were studying was called the Comfort Circle. And the whole premise of this chapter was the same thing that I just said. Basically, you are to accept your spouse should be open with you, share their feelings with you, and you need to accept them. And that's what's going to lead to comfort and healing for you both and bonding. So that was what the what the lesson was about in our small group. And then we got home that night and Abuna says, you know what, I'm gonna make you a cup of tea, let's sit down and talk. If you guys know us, this never happens. This is very weird behavior, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so um, very strange behavior, but we did. So he actually initiated and he shared something that was like on his heart that was like a burden to him. So he shared, and I'm, I'm very, very dense. I still didn't get that he was the answer to my prayer until that moment. And I'm like, wait, I just prayed that prayer. I'm really struggling. I need to share with you too. So I shared with him and the, the healing that came um, that week for both of us and the bonding that came, I, it's something that it, just so cool, like so, so cool. And I feel like God allows us to experience stories like that just so we can share them um, with others as well. And Marianne is, is, is very kind there. So when, when she said I wanted to share with her, I want to share about a mess up in my life, okay? And I was basically confessing to her, okay? And I wanted to share about my weakness, which I didn't want to share with her, okay? And I didn't really want to tell her, but this doesn't apply to every marriage, okay? Actually, I was gonna say this at the beginning. We're gonna share what works for us, okay? And what works for us works for us. I realize it doesn't work for everybody else. So please, sometimes people think like you have to be like me and Marianne. You don't have to be, I don't think you can be like me and Marianne. We can't be like you. But I just share what works for us because I only know us. Like I could share about your life, but you'd probably not be very happy if I share stories from your marriage. So we just share stories from our marriage. But please don't think this, this has to apply to you. <coughs> we tell each other our confessions. Okay? Now this is important. Listen carefully to this. We don't ask each other our confessions. I don't ask her, what do you say when you confess? She doesn't have to tell me. Confession is between you and God. You don't have to tell her. But I volunteer it, and she volunteers it to me. And I will never say to her, what do you confess? And she'll never say that to me. But we voluntarily share it with each other because as a means of closeness, because I want to get my relationship with God like this, and I want my relationship with my wife to be like this. I don't want there to be anything between us. And we have experienced this. I'm not an honesty and weakness guy. But I'm telling you is that what I've learned is that this lady right here is God's answer to how I'm going to find healing in my life. I truly believe that. And I believe that I'm her answer for how she's going to find healing. But our problem in marriage, our problem in marriage 
is we don't go to each other. And we don't want to look weak in front of the other because the other person will do what? What are you thinking right now when you say, I could never confess to my spouse? They will hold it against me. I'm telling you, I don't hesitate to confess, not because I'm a big man, but because I know she'll never hold it against me. And she knows that I'll never hold it against her because that's how we build each other up. Because what we have learned is that she has sicknesses and I have sicknesses and you have sicknesses. And what I want, I think this is both for men and women, but I'm gonna lean a little bit more on the ladies here on this one because I think this is more applicable to the women than the men. Ladies, all, but ladies especially, your husband needs you to heal. So instead of criticizing his weakness and insulting his weakness, you are his doctor. So when he comes to you with something that he messed up, and I'm telling you, I mess up all the time. And he comes to you. If I came to Marianne, I said, I messed up. And she said, how stupid you are. I would never go back. I wouldn't stop messing up. Listen to this one. I wouldn't stop messing up. I just stopped telling you about it. What did you gain? You didn't fix your husband. You just pushed him away from you. And again, husbands and wives applies to, but I think ladies, sometimes we're quick to jump on our husbands because what I believe is you both have sicknesses, but somehow a lady's sicknesses are more respectable. Somehow a lady's sicknesses don't seem as bad, okay? And I always say that to Marianne, like she come and tell me her, her weakness and her struggle, and I'm like, so? Like who cares? Like that's, that's nothing. Let me tell you, and it's like one-upmanship, okay? Let me tell you what I did, okay, how stupid I am. So we've really experienced this honesty and weakness. And I would encourage you, again, I understand that some, it's not, it's not, you can't do this in some marriages, so please don't just take copy and paste. But what I'm saying is it gets you to a level of intimacy and vulnerability that you desire in your marriage when you confess your weaknesses to one another in honesty. And then the other person, man, it's your job. It's my job to make her comfortable to confess to me and vice versa. Okay? Good on that one, Thank you so much. All right. We just sit up here and look pretty and smile and stuff like that. And they're changing wires and batteries and stuff like that. Okay, so I actually have an impromptu question that I thought of while we were talking right there. It's not on the list. No one asked this question. But Marianne, talk about how we handle conflict. First of all, do we have ever have conflict? <laughs> talk about how we handle conflict. Uh, so it's good you're asking this week, not last week, because that was a tough week. But um, yes, we fight a lot. A lot, a lot. Um, I think uh, it's because we're very, very different. In case you guys don't know, like we look at the world differently, we process information differently. We we share our quiet times together. We read the exact same thing, the exact same passage, and I say, this shows how Jesus is so compassionate. And he says, this shows how we have to be faithful and do be accountable. We get totally different messages. We are so different. So I th probably more different than you and your spouse. So I'm going to venture to say we probably fight harder and longer than you guys in your marriages. We really uh, do have conflict in our marriage. We've gone to counseling before. So um, we don't want to pretend we have a perfect marriage. Uh, I'll let you answer the rest of it. So I'll just say we fight. You can say how. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, the reason I wanted to ask that question, it kind of right now, again, no one asked that, because number one, I wanted to show that we are not a perfect couple, because again, sometimes people have that, that impression that we just, look, anyone looks perfect when you are outside their house. <laughs> like it's easy to stand up here and show you the perfect, but we have our issues. But let me tell you this, let me tell you this, and I believe this. I don't believe the, the, the goal of marriage is a conflict-free marriage. And sometimes when a young couple will come and say like, 
we're fighting in our marriage. And I say, yeah. That means you're still in it. Okay, that's good. I don't think the goal is to have a conflict-free marriage. Just like I don't think the goal, I don't think the goal of medical school is to not take a test. I don't think the goal of law school is to not have a test or a challenge or a project. I think the goal is to graduate and the goal is to get something. And I believe the goal of marriage is not to not conflict, but to be close. And I believe that conflict is actually a means to closeness oftentimes. Just like I said, I think I said it this past week on my blog, I was saying the goal of life is not to not die, the goal is to live. The goal of marriage is not to not fight, the goal is to be close. So what I would say is, don't confuse marriage is great with marriage is easy. I think I said this in the beginning of this series, I don't remember if it was here or was that a wedding I was at recently. Don't confuse the two. And so often, in every area of life, we understand that. That to do something great, it has to be hard. But so often in marriage, someone would say, well, marriage is not what it's cracked up to be. Why? Because it's hard. Yeah, but it's great. But it's hard. And I'm telling you, hard is not against great. I think hard is part of great. Tell me anything great in this world that's easy. You want to be the best at your job. Is that going to be easy? You want to be an elite athlete. Is that going to be easy? You want to be a top musician. Is that going to be easy? If you want to do something great, it's going to be hard. But somehow when marriage comes, marriage is hard. It stinks. No, 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 no. Marriage is hard. Yes, but marriage is great. And great and hard are not against one another. So, so get this rid of this idea that we have conflict in our marriage. I married the wrong guy. We fight in our marriage. We're not compatible. No, no, no. I said this before. We are, are about, we are as, as same as can possibly be on the important things about values and things like that. Everything else, we're the opposite, exact opposite. And we discovered this like our first day of marriage. We're exact opposite of everything. Okay? We went the, our first, our first and probably only time we ever went grocery shopping together, all right? Because everything. She want vanilla, I want chocolate. She want the plain, I want the spicy. She even, we couldn't even cereal, like a, bo a, bo a box of cereal for our honey. We had to buy two of everything. So I said, it's very inefficient to be married to this lady who's so different than me. But that's why I say, someone says irreconcilable differences. I crossed, that is not, I think irreconcilable similarities. I think the similarities are what will do you in in marriage. But the, the differences, then that's the spice, okay? So no such thing as a conflict-free marriage, okay? Um, did I get that last question? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what time? Oh, right. I'm going to go to the conclusion. Our final lesson. Our final and most important lesson. This isn't answering your question, but this is just what I want to say. A missionless marriage is a miserable marriage. In life, anything that's all about you will never be blessed by God. Does everyone agree with that statement? If your career is about you, God will not bless it. If your relationships are about you, God will not bless it. If your marriage is about you, God will not bless it. So if your marriage is all about me, 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 he doesn't talk to me, she doesn't understand me, he doesn't help around the house for me, and she doesn't take care of this for me, if it's me, 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 it is inevitable that it will crumble into pieces. The marriage that God blesses is the marriage that's about him. And a marriage where two people are not living for themselves selfishly and saying, I want to be happy, I want to be cared for, I want financial security, I want, I want, I want. That marriage is never going to work. And we talked about this a year ago, for those who remember, okay, we did a series called Crowns of Glory where I talked about every wedding is a funeral. Remember I showed you all this? 
Did I show you all this? Remember this? You guys remember what this is? Okay, those were here last year. As part of our Orthodox wedding ceremony, we tie a red ribbon around the bride and the groom. And that is to remind ourselves. It's a symbolic act of a, hopefully, eternal truth that we have died to ourselves. That we are, di we are dead. This is our blood. This is not the blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Jesus already died. Stop killing Jesus. This is blood of you. Okay, Jesus doesn't need to die to make your marriage work. He already died. You need to die. You need to die to me and die to selfish and die to I want and die to me, 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 me. And anytime there's a conflict in marriage that's unresolved, it's because someone took off their red ribbon. Marriage, some people ask me, can we get married on the beach? No. Can we get married in a garden? No. Can we get married, you know, on a, 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 a I don't know where, a, a swimming pool or Chuck E. Cheese? I don't care where you No, 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 no. You must get married at an altar. It must be in front of an altar. It has to be an altar. Why? Altar equals what? Sacrifice, death. When they created an altar, we just Christianized the word altar so it sounds pretty and fun. Altar before Christianity means someone's coming in alive and he's not walking out alive. Okay, we're gonna sacrifice something. Someone is going down. If we're going to the altar with, with a goat, tough luck for that goat. If we're bringing a chicken to the altar, someone is going down at the altar. And the reason why marriage has to happen at an altar, because an altar means somebody has to die. Stop killing Jesus. You have to die at that altar. And that's why marriage has to take place right there. And we wrap this thing around you to say, you know what? I walked in to a, 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 a church on May 28, 2001. But I didn't walk out. A new person walked out. And that new person, I have to be dead. And a new person is me, a trinity. God, man, woman. Let me tell you another joke. Sorry, another joke. I'll tell you another joke. Just thought of a good one. I have a second joke, actually. Second one, marriage jokes are the best. And I know they're corny, but that's okay. In marriage, like I said, is a trinity between God, husband, and wife. God, husband, and wife. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is like the Father, because he's the source. Okay, the Father is like the origin of the trinity, like everyone proceeds from the Father, or sent, begotten. So God is like the, the beginning and the end of, of the marriage. The Holy Spirit, that's like the wife. Okay, why the Holy Spirit is like the wife? Because they're more spiritual than us, and no one really knows what they do anyway. Okay. <laughs> they just kind of do everything. Okay, that's like the Holy Spirit. He kind of does everything, but no one gives him any credit. The husband is like the son for two reasons. Number one, because he gets all the credit, even though the Holy Spirit does all the work. And number two, because in the end, he gets killed. <laughs> Which one was better, my first one or my second one? First one, okay, I see. But the second one had a little bit of a lesson to it, okay? So that's why. Red ribbon, altar. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I don't think I put it up on the screen, that you are to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. You know what living sacrifice means? It means we go up on that altar, sacrifice dead, and then we come back off that altar, we pick ourselves up, and we go back up there the next day. And that has to be how marriage works. And marriage, that's all about you, will never, ever work. I'm going to tell you one short example, then I'm going to invite the music team to come back up here, and we're going to close this out with a nice, uplifting song and a prayer. But I'm going to tell you one example of someone that I know who's not a member of this congregation lives far away. There's a married couple who had a really, really difficult marriage. And I got to know them when they were probably at their lowest in their marriage. I did not think they were going to last. Between me and you. Of course, they didn't say that. But I didn't think they were going to last. I did not think they were going to make it. Today, they're one of the best couples in the world. One of the most inspiring couples that loves each other so dearly. You want to know where the difference took place? 
somewhere about five, six years ago, something like that, they made a decision. They had been trying to have a kid, and they couldn't have a kid. So they decided to begin fostering children. And they decided that this is what God wanted them to do, foster children, and this has become their life mission. And I'm telling you, that decision to turn their marriage into not about themselves but a mission has changed the dynamic of their marriage in ways that you take, talk counseling, talk book, talk seminar, none of that stuff, the way this. Because basically before that, it was all about themselves. You're not making me happy. You're not understanding me. You're not giving me what I need. And then all of a sudden, it became not about you and me. It became about us and God. Not you and me, us and God. And once they took on this mission in life, I'm telling you, I'm inspired by this couple. And especially because I got to see the transformation. Maybe the problem in your marriage is that you're living for yourselves. And you are justified and that he is a no good whatever. And you're justified that she doesn't care about, you're justified and all that. But you're not going to solve it. The goal here isn't to be right. The goal is to win the game. And the way that you win this game, the way that you find blessing in anything in life, is you sacrifice it on the altar of God. You put your red ribbon on. And we as Christians, shame on us if we are not leading the way in this. Shame on us if our marriages. Because it's not about marriage for us. It's about life. Our life is a sacrifice. It has nothing to do with marriage. Whether you're single or not married, this has nothing to do with marriage. Shame on us if our marriages are not reflections of our values and our Christianity, which is that we have died for him, for the one who has died for us. So what we're going to do, we're going to invite the music team to come back up here on stage. And we want to end, I told them to choose a nice uplifting song. Because here's why I want us to pray. I want us to pray, whether you're single or you're married. If you're single, I want you to say, God, I am committed to finding a relationship, if, if you feel like this is for you. Committed to finding a relationship that is pleasing to you. I'm going to do it the right way. I understand I'm looking for my best friend, not Hollywood. I understand that I need to be open. I need to start to practice that vulnerability. And I know I need to find a mission in life. And if I don't have a personal mission in life, marriage is not going to give me one. And if you're married, there's one thing I wanted to put up here. I, I want, I struggled with this one because I don't want to be awkward. But I want you to think this. I want you to think to yourself, am I the husband that I promised my wife I'd be? Am I the wife that I promised my husband I'd be? Am I the husband or wife? Put whichever, stop looking at the other. Am I the man? Father Anthony keeps saying about they're supposed to submit to the man and the man, the man, the man. Am I that husband that makes my wife want to submit? Am I the wife that makes him desire to gladden my heart, to love me? Am I that wife? No one's going to be pointing fingers. No elbowing one another. No, listen, take note. None of that stuff. Each one's looking in a mirror here. And we're going to say in front of God that we are committed to being the man and woman that you called us to be. And we trust that your blessing will be poured out abundantly on us. Let's stand together. We'll sing a song together. Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, all that we are, we place into your hands. Forgive us, Heavenly Father, for coming to you, demanding something and asking for something without taking a look in the mirror and seeing if we're answering your prayer for us, if we're becoming the man and woman that you want us to be. We give ourselves entirely to your hand. We sacrifice, we submit ourselves up on that altar. And we pray, Lord, that you give us the strength and the courage to every single day be the man that you want us to be, the woman that you want us to be, whether we're married or we're single, whether we're dating or, 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 or we're desiring to get to that point, or whether we've been married 100 years, Lord, let us to truly sacrifice ourselves and submit ourselves to you first and foremost, Lord. And then we know, we, we know, Lord, that we will see your blessing poured out on our relationships 
in ways that we couldn't imagine. Thank you, Lord, for this time that you gave us together. And I pray a special blessing, Lord, for every person who's standing here, especially every married couple, Lord. Pour your blessing out on the marriages in this church in a special way, Lord. Pour your blessing out on them and let them to feel your presence and give them the, the strength, the wisdom, and like the courage they need to do what they need to do. Pray also, Lord, for, for those who are not married yet but, but seeking that point. We pray that you give them wisdom and discernment to know themselves first and foremost and to clean on the inside so they can be prepared to give themselves to someone else in marriage. We pray these things in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers of all of your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.